Alright, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of How to Get a Job Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I have an amazing guest with me today. I have Dr. Brendan Wright. He's the director of the UAB Career Center. And we're going to be talking about how to build your own social capital. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thank you for that greeting. No, no, I am doing well. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. I know you have a busy, busy day. Um, you know, every day is really busy in the college campus, but um, I'm excited that you're able to, you know, carve in a little bit of time to share some of your thoughts and experience uh, with us. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your um, your journey, and what really motivated you, you know, to 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 be where you are today, you know, being the director of a career uh, center at a really great university. Yeah, Daniel, thank you so much, and thank you for sharing your platform. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the work you're doing. We have a keen passion for helping people navigate their their job search and their career success. So, man, from the, the start, I just want to say thank you for, for sharing that passion and doing, doing that work because it matters. You're really helping people. So uh, thank you. Uh, regarding me, man, you know, I'm a I'm – a, a, young man that was uh, has benefited from you know being in the right place at the right time with the with the right resources and the right guidance so originally from arkansas raised on a rice farm by my grandpa thought i was going to be a farmer when i grew up all i wanted to be was a farmer and then um eventually moved with my mom and actually got exposed to football when i was in the fourth grade then my dreams changed and wanted to go to the nfl was able to secure a football scholarship, actually played Division II football, and wanted to go to the NFL. Went to the NFL Combine, did not get drafted, did not get signed, and ultimately I was in a master's program. And through that master's program, I was able to take advantage of internships, practicum experiences, great mentors and advisors, and which ultimately helped me transition into a career in higher education. And one of those internships that I, or practicum experiences that I had when I was in graduate school was a practicum experience, 120 hours in a career center. And I would just, I just felt like that was the place I needed to be because it helped me create a, or find a passion and an identity outside of just being a student athlete. And so if it could help me with the transition from student athlete to professional, I wanted to be able to help other people find their professional identity as well. And thankfully, I've been able to do that for a little over uh, 10 years at this point, has loved it, been at three different universities and looking forward to, you know, to more years to come. I love it. Love it. It's amazing. So you have thousands of students that go through your offices and work with your team to help get jobs. And one of the things that we were talking before we recorded the podcast was, you know, the importance of like networking and building social capital. But um, why do you think networking and having a a strong support group and and network is so important in the job search process? You know, um, the old adage that networks are the you know, the number one way you get the job, right? Networks, 70% of the students still get jobs through a network, right? That's, that holds true to today. You know, this, this type of work environment, 
job search environment where you're getting hundreds, if not thousands of applications per job, it's making it more difficult to find the right applicant. And most of these jobs, you've heard that it be said, um, you know, they know who they're going to hire before they post that job, right? And so it just really helps to know the right people, uh, to be uh, mentored and guided by the right individuals, to know people who are inside of the process, know how to help you navigate the process. Um, so so understand, understanding that you need people to be successful is the first thing, right? Uh, no one goes through college without an academic advisor. All of us had that academic advisor that helped us register for classes. You need that same thing. You need that same type of advisor when you're maneuvering the job search. And folks like you, Daniel, folks in the career centers at these universities, folks like internship coordinators and, and, and so on, are the people on college campuses or just in general executive college co uh, career coaches that stand in the gap that are content experts around the job search process and really social you know um having a network uh really provides you a lot of ease of mind right they can advocate for you they can mentor you through the process and not only that um they can really um provide you some some things that you are unbeknownst to in a job, you being a young graduate, you don't know everything that goes into the interview process, the application process. You're just trying to get a job. There's people like you, Daniel, and myself who help students over the years who have a better understanding of that. And so first getting people to the place where they recognize they need help, that's when really social capital can really be a positive benefit for people, uh, helping them understand that everyone, I, I truly help truly love to help people. You truly enjoy and love that process. Why not help? Why not allow someone in that with that type of passion to support you throughout your, uh, your job search? Uh, it just really eases the burden. Not saying that applying for hundreds of jobs is, is, is an easy thing, but um, when you have people that not only can help you navigate which jobs to apply for, but they can also um, kind of help you craft a resume, craft your interview, craft your online presence. All that comes with understanding and knowing the right people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's definitely important to have, you know, advocates, mentors, you know, people in your corner that, that can help, you know, kind of open some of those doors. Because like one, one thing I, I would say, I, it's like, you know, if you think about what a resume is, it's the most biased document in the world. It's all of the good things you've ever done in your life. And none of the bad. And, you know, even if, if you Google, like, what percentage of people lie or exaggerate on their resume, it's like upwards of like three fourths of it, like 75% of people, you know, would do that. And I, I, you know, I think back of my former recruiter and hiring manager days as when I look at a resume, I take it with a grain of salt. Like I know odds are someone that you're exaggerating or lied or, or put things in here that, you know, <laughs> that weren't totally true to make you sound better. And I know that everybody does that and, and, and I get that, but that's where your resume sometimes is more important. Who gives you that resume? Like how, how I got that resume than what's on the resume? Because like, for example, if me and you have a relationship and you hand me a resume of one of your students, I will now believe that resume to the same respect that I have for you. And because I respect you and I know that 
you're only sending me that resume because you've done some vetting, right? You've had some conversation with that student. I now will take that resume very seriously. And this happened all the time at PepsiCo where my old professors will send me resumes of students they thought were a good fit for the management training program that I was hiring for. And those individuals will automatically get to the first round of interviews just because of the social proof that the professor had for the relationship that I had with the professor. And, and I think that, that we forget that. And I think that's the, the value of that social capital of those relationships and that you can build with your professors, with your career service center, and with people in your university that are there to want to help and support you throughout the whole journey. Dang, I love that, man. You know, one of the, I, I feel like one of the most underrated uh, assets of LinkedIn is recommendations. Mm. Oh, man, when I, when someone sends me a LinkedIn request, first thing I do, I want to know what type of person I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. right? And especially for, for young professionals moving into their career, the more of the, the social proof you can build up, the social capital, people who will put them, extend themselves on your behalf to talk about your professional talents and qualities, um, that, that really, in, in my mind, builds the person's credibility with me. I want to ultimately know what type of uh, work this individual did, what quality of work this individual has done, um, how people feel about this. Like People won't always remember what you did, but they'll remember how you made yes, them feel, yes. right? And so just like you're talking about, <clears throat> if I give you a resume, it's the same if someone writes a recommendation. Yeah. Like whenever I get an email about a candidate from somebody else that's recommending that candidate, it adds to that individual's credibility. And LinkedIn offers, but I don't think LinkedIn does a really good job at um, the placement and the emphasis on recommendations, man, because I think a lot of professionals could really benefit from, you know, on a resume or a job application, right? They typically ask for, what, three to five recommendations, yep. right? Mm-hmm. People typically, you know, that's, if you only got three to five people that can talk really good about you, like that, that's potentially problematic. So along your journey, always be uh, trying to make people feel good about your work. One of the philosophies that I, I tend to live by, Daniel, is leave it better than you found mm. it. Leave the relationship better than you found a relationship. That's me adding, adding value, adding my skill sets, trying to enhance somebody else's life on uh, to see them ultimately succeed, right? To see them be successful. And um, I just think that more people should pursue um, making uh, the recommendation pieces on LinkedIn in terms of building their social capital. You can get those from professors. You can get those from people in your same fraternity, sorority, organization. You can get those from your co-workers. You can get those from your supervisors, prior supervisors, uh, and, and, and so on, executive coaches, whoever you've worked with. You can get those from people you've been on a board with, but really, how are you gonna get so how are you gonna get recommendations if you're not out building your network, yep. Daniel? How? Yeah, I, I, you know, you're making so many good points. I actually remember our first interaction. So I reached out to you and your reply was, Hey, I saw that you had ninety five recommendations. So yes, I would like to, you know, have a conversation with you. <laughs> All right. Um and obviously I think I 
I knew for me personally, I think they're important for me, especially for my business sake to say, Hey, like, Hey, like I, I know what I'm doing. Just look at what like 95 other clients have said. And that's like, not every client leaves a recommendation, you know, like just like when you buy something on Amazon, not everyone leaves a review, but just having 95 obviously as massive social proof. But I think you, 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 you just said it so well. I was like, as a, as a job seeker, graduating college in college, you should be building those recommendations up. You should absolutely every professor you build a relationship with you went to office hours right and not just because you went to class and got an a but did you go to office hours did you get to know your professors who most of them have relationships in the industry that you're studying right uh did you get to know if you play sports your coach your assistant coach right if you were part of a student organization uh your peers right if you did a project like there's nothing that says that your peers can't leave your recommendation about your character they might not be able to say things about uh they didn't manage you maybe right but your character also and I'll, you have to remember that when you're starting out your soft skills actually play a more important role than anything and so um i think you're that is so important that is something that's very controllable by everybody listening to this about you know set a goal for yourself to send 10 people that you have a relationship right now go on linkedin go to their profile hit more and it will say request recommendation now, don't just say and, and, and leave the same line that LinkedIn has that says, but customize it and said, hey, Dr. Wright, you know, I really appreciate working with you at the Career Center. You, you've gotten to know me and my character. Do you mind leaving me a short recommendation about our experience working together? Personalize that message because that will actually increase your, your reply rate or your, or your recommendation rate. But that was amazing. And then you were asking about uh, networking. I think absolutely... Uh, if you're on campus, like get involved. Like, you know, I, I was so surprised. So I went to the University of Central Florida, one of the, the largest universities by student uh, count, right? And I was so surprised to know that like so little percentage of people are involved in student organizations. I think it was like less than 10% when I, when I interviewed the Dean uh, of the College of Business for this particular podcast, he's like, yeah, like less than 10%, right? Le so we have 8,000 students in the College of Business. Less than 800 of them are involved in student organizations, and we have over 100 student organizations that they can be part of. No, I like approve SGA student organizations, you know, and, and let alone how many people go to the career fair. There's like 75,000 people, and less than 3,000 of them were attending the career fair. And that to me, just, you know, as a student, that's great news for you in a sense of there's a lot of opportunity. But I just think that that's, there's massive opportunity for you to network with your professors who most of them are there because they care and they want to see you succeed. Uh, the faculty and staff, the career center, um, I mean, everything, SGA, um, there's so many resources uh, available to you. Um, and, and that will uh, allow me to pivot to our next conversation. You know, what about jobs on campuses? How else can, do you see you know, maybe an international student, a minority student, somebody who says like, hey, that's great. All you guys are saying is great. We know networking is great, but my mom didn't go to college. My dad didn't go to college. I am the first one in my family to, to go to college. And I just don't know how to navigate this massive world. You know, if I was leading and advising, you know, an international student coming to campus in the U.S., I would first advise them to make sure they familiarize themselves with um, the uh, the on campus, like the on campus employment process, right? Um, and how the difference between 
um, a teacher assistant role, graduate assistant role, graduate intern role versus uh, a non-work study role. So familiarize yourself. You can essentially find that information on the institution's HR website, right? Student employment HR website. Just Google that, whatever you got to do. So familiarize yourself with that. Once you've done that, uh, whatever hiring system that your institution uses, uh, a lot of times it can be simplicity. It can be handshake. Those are the top two. Uh, 1220 is another one. Um, but make sure you familiarize yourself with that platform as well and then optimize that, right? I find that a lot of international students do not optimize their, um, their handshake platform or simplicity profile, headshot, make sure that your job, you know, job descriptions are clear, make sure that it's clear what you're seeking. Um, a lot of times they don't have, it's bare minimum, right? And, uh, but if I'm, an, if, if I'm advising an international student, a lot for a lot of the institutions, the on-campus employment process might not just happen uh, in a silo in the in the um, career management platform like Handshake, but you got to facilitate the process through that. So it's just going to be beneficial for them to get their Handshake up to par um, as soon as possible, right? And then once that happens, make sure that a lot of career fair, a lot of um, institutions have these on-campus job fairs, right? Go to those job fairs and ask the career centers um, which on, which employers offer on-campus employment, right? And what are they looking for? What are they looking for in student, at, in student employees and how can I support them, right? Um, I know here at UAB, we try to make sure all international students know which employers um, are hiring international students by a like a globe logo, right? Mm. So a globe sticker, we try to make sure that all the international students that need sponsorship, if they're moving off campus, that they're aware of the, uh, the employers that will offer sponsorship. Um, so make sure that the, 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 that you approach your career center and that they are doing their job at one, um, helping employers know that you need sponsorship if you're going off campus. But two, if you are seeking on-campus employment, which employers are hiring for on-campus employment? Um, and then go introduce yourself. I find that some of my best hires come from international students that have come into the career center, ask questions about the career center, and then um, ask, you know, if I had anything available, right? Um, I might not always have something available right then and there, but one, you came in the career center. One, you were in, you know, you were interested in what we had to offer in the career center. So you were essentially making some good impression on me. Uh, and two, uh, and three, you, you want to figure out how you can add value. Um, I find that, you know, a lot of international students, you know, they have a lot of skills, which is really good. And, and, we want to exercise them in the right positions. And uh, if you're willing to do some work on some data for us, potentially in a volunteer role that can add social capital. Uh, and then whenever I'm actually looking for a role, you're top of mind. So I think volunteering and internships 
being in a short-term stint in a career center or in student health or in campus rec, just consider how you can add value um, to an to a unit given your skill sets. Like how can I help this unit given your skill sets in an unpaid way? Because in America we value we we value volunteerism, which is we don't like unpaid. I'm not I'm not pushing unpaid internships, but figure out the problem of the leader in that area and ultimately provide a tentative solution for that problem. And that will put you above the fray, right? Figure out the pain points. Like one of the things I always ask people, so what are, what are some of the challenges that you're dealing with? Whenever I would talk to a dean, what are some of the challenges you're dealing with? I'm always trying to figure out how to provide a solution, right? I'm trying to figure out how to add value to an individual. I can't just go in, hey, I need more students at the career fair, Daniel. I need more students. I can't do that. And so um, think in terms of, you know, making sure you understand the landscape, but then ultimately how you can provide value in a short-term way that'll put you in a, uh, that'll increase your credibility with that, with that individual, which ultimately is building your social capital. Make sure you're attending these events, these are career fairs, advising hours, and things like that. Uh, it's a lot, man. It's a, it is a strategy, but I think once you have deployed it enough over time, I can't deny that, Daniel. I've seen him at career fairs. I've seen, he's been in my office. He's provided me a, um, you know, a template for a report that I would love to have on a full-time basis, and I need to find a spot for him. Yeah, no, I think what you're saying is so important about just adding value and being visible, and especially, you know... I think it's important to understand is like the internet has made it so easy for you to apply online, but it's made it so hard for you to get noticed, right? Like you, because it's easy because if I were to say, Hey, how many applications can you apply to in one week? And I'll pay you a dollar per application. I'm pretty confident that you can do hundreds, if not thousands of applications between easy apply button and, you know, handshake or indeed or LinkedIn and so on. Right. And so because of that, companies are no longer getting a handful of applications. They're getting hundreds and then sometimes even thousands or tens of thousands if you're thinking about like the Googles of the world. And so your challenge then comes in is how do I get visibility, right? How do, how do you do that? When you can humanize it and go in person, be there. Career fair, you shouldn't miss it. Info sessions, be right there. And that goes same thing with getting jobs on campus, right? You should apply online. You need to apply online. There's a process and a system in place, but doesn't mean that you can't go in person and shake someone's hand and find a way to add value and say, Hey, if, if, if you, if you need to, if, Hey, you don't, I don't have a budget for it right now, maybe next semester, not a problem. Is there a way that I can volunteer five hours a week, one afternoon, you know, can I do resume reviews or can I do uh, X, Y, and Z, right? Ask them what they need. And when you do that, not only are you depositing into this networking bank account and you have some savings involved, but two, you're interviewing for the role, right? You have not a lot to lose and a lot to gain because even if you don't do the best you can, like if you do a bad job in those five hours, but it's not bad job because of lack of effort, but it was just maybe lack of skills, odds are they're going to coach you and say, hey, let's help you improve that. But let's say you do amazing. They're going to be super impressed and maybe figure out a way to get the budget and hire you earlier. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've done that. I've had to, I've had students come in 
and provide me short-term project results. And I had to make adjustments in my budget to increase my student salary line to hire this student, you know, in a more uh, part-time, you know, fashion. And, uh, you know, I think what goes super underrated is that, I guess it, it just takes time. It takes time to build your social capital. It takes time. And that happens over, over a consistent amount of um, interaction, right? So I don't want to make it sound like it happens fast, but as soon as you step foot on a college campus, you got to realize you're there to develop and there are mentors, advisors, there are professors that really want you to be successful. And if you deploy your skill sets and you come in and you're trying to add value to their whatever research they're working on that you can take off of their hand. I don't know a professor that would not say yes to a, a research assistant, right? Um, but, you know, they just, I think international students and students in general just got to realize every department has a budget, right? And so you, you got to do, um, you got to do its best. Yeah. But you find a way to adjust that budget whenever Quality comes your way. And especially right? if you can quantify. If, you, if they can go to their department chair or dean and say, hey, you know, I'm working on this research. I had this student volunteer, but look how much faster we're able to go. Um, you know, is there any, any additional support, resources, grant that we can apply for? Um, I actually want to share, a, a, I would say like a hack or a trick or something that's really important. Look, as an international student and you graduate, you then you you have a time to get a job, sixty days of OPT to get a, your OPT, your first OPT, and what you want to do is actually you want to stop the clock as soon as possible. And one of the best ways we found to help our clients stop the clock is actually going back to professors they have a relationship with and doing being a research assistant for free, because that allows you to stop the clock, right? Any professor, to your point, especially if you've attended their office hours. And sat there, if you go to office hours and be like, hey, Daniel, but I don't have any questions. Go ask them about their research. They're there. They have to be there in office hours. And they're probably bored. And if you sit there and just ask them about their research, they will talk your ear out. Right? Because uh, there's no such thing as an ugly baby. And so that's their baby. And so they will talk their ear out. And odds are, if they're probably doing some really cool research anyways. And so... It creates a win-win and the best way to do this is while you're still a student and you get to build those relationships with professors that will help you in the end because you're not wasting your your, your clock time on that. And so I just love um, that advice that you're sharing. Um, and also to understanding like there's so much going on in any given university, right? And I, and I also think about, think about SGA as another opportunity because SJs they have their own budget. They have tons of resources of also available and they're always trying to get initiatives going. And so try to figure out how you can volunteer there, support there, you know, or even run for a Senate seat or even an administration uh, role there as well. Um, I, I just think, you know, it's, it's just about creativity and what you can do on college campuses because the resources are there. There are budgets, you know, obviously every department is, is constrained. But they're there and, and they're going to give it to someone might as well be you. And it's all about how you, you, you network and build that social capital. And then last thing before I'll send it back to you, you're saying how hard it is in, in the beginning. 
I would actually say it is really hard in the beginning, but it only gets easier and easier. And there's this level of compound effect that's generated uh, because once you start building, your first recommendation is the hardest. But once you get one, it's easier to get the second. Once you have two, it's easy to get three. Once you have 10, getting to 20 is much easier than getting the first 10. And if you can not only build relationships, but maintain them. And I, I don't know, I use an app called Fabrique, but you could use an Excel sheet. Don't be afraid to put the people that you're networking with in an Excel sheet, have reminder dates, remember their birthday, you know, remember those little things like that and, and follow up and say, hey, how's it going? I know it, it, it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be every week. I still talk to professors that I went to school with in 2009. And once a year, I just go like, hey, Dr. Valdez, just checking up on you. How are you doing? And that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, Daniel. I, so I just completed my terminal degree and um i have i have recommendations on linkedin from advisors from when i was in grad school uh, but when i posted that information on linkedin about me finishing my terminal degree so many of my undergraduate business professors commented right on this on this um you know achievement but they also commented on their remembrance of my conduct in their courses, right? Mm -hmm. Which again, leans to the fact, I'll play football in college, right? I played football. I was also Greek. I played as a fraternity. I also uh, was a, in a student org. So really trying to uh, build a network was something that the School of Business would, would definitely emphasize. I think was to, to I think what's really difficult, Daniel, is just we're just creatures of habit, and whatever's familiar to us is where how we kind of navigate. You'll see this a lot in career fairs and job fairs. Students they navigate tables together, yep. right? All the yep. tennis players yeah. <laughs> they will go to the same tables together. International students do the same thing, um, or they'll navigate tables with their friends. I I challenge our students, our international students, our students. If, you, if you want to develop and put a really good impression on somebody, do not be afraid to approach that individual by yourself, right? It says a lot. It's hard to try to entertain four people at one point, but when you come back by yourself, right, um, I can actually have a engaged one-on-one conversation with you and um, that right there will provide additional kind of leverage in your relationship and secondly i was going to say if you want to help a professor with their research the first thing i would do is research dr brandon wright um, at university of alabama at birmingham my scholarly work should come up so when you go talk to that professor you already know a little bit about their research agenda, yeah. right? Wow. Which is a part of their job. And so you can Google the professor and look at what publications they've published. You can Google what courses they're teaching. You can Google oh, what research projects and grants they're working on and go into the conversation and really impress a person with, oh, Dr. Wright, I saw that you do work on concussions with D3 football players. And I just want to know a little bit more about that because I play cricket and not, yeah, dot, 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 and I'm just like, oh, okay. So this person did a little bit of background yeah. <laughs> check yeah. on me. So 
knowing a little bit about a person before you go in. And like you said, LinkedIn and the internet has made so much of this available. No, I, I it's awesome. Look, we get, Dr. Rowe, we could talk about this forever. I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes. Um, if, you know, people want to connect with you, I, I know you said LinkedIn is the best. So I would definitely put uh, your LinkedIn in the show notes. So definitely uh, connect with Dr. Wright. He, obviously, you can see we could, we could have had this podcast be four hours long, but I know how busy you are. So I do appreciate it. What a really great podcast and so many amazing takeaways. Um, I, I want all of you international students and even anybody who's on campus and is your first time, maybe you're the first one in your family, to re-listen to this episode. Take some notes. You know, go to your company, uh, to, to, the, to SGA, go to your college, you know, yeah, go to the Career Center. There's so many different offices and resources in your university alone that, that can really help you get started and utilize your professors. Um, they're there to help. So, uh, Dr. Wright, any last words before we wrap it up? No, that's it, man. Thank you so much for sharing your platform. And if I could be a support at any point to anybody, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you. Everybody, and catch you guys on the next episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Dr. Wright. Um, he is the director of Career Centers. And I want to kind of share with you guys my experience working with the Career Center at my university because it's probably one of the biggest life-changing uh, things I did. And and it comes down to a lot of what I speak to you here today is because of my mentor, Dr. Calvin Williams, who was the associate director of the Career Center at University of Central Florida, who then became the career director at Florida State University. And he was sharing a lot of what Dr. Wright was sharing. This is back over over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, in fact. Um, and, and I just want to let you know that there's so many resources available to you on college campuses that can help you navigate your job search process um, that that are there. And I would say start there. You know, you don't necessarily need to go and hire me or someone else like me without first utilizing the resources that you are already paying. Career services and career centers are not free. You pay with them. You pay for them through your tuition. They're already included. And less than 10 to 20% of students are actually taking advantage of that, uh, are actually getting their resume done there practicing some mock interviews there or even reaching out to employers that have relationships with your campus that are there hiring they're on their handshake and so definitely take advantage of that the second thing is work with your professors we talked about that in this episode and i could tell you that i still have relationships with my old professors um they're great people who care are very knowledgeable and have great industry connections during my time at PepsiCo, I can't tell you how many people I hired because different professors were sending me their resume. Now, does the students still needed to apply online? They did. But because I got their resume, I was able to look them up in the system and schedule them for an on-campus interview um, or even bring them to the office to interview them. And pretty much, if I get an email from one of my professors that I already knew and had a relationship with and says, hey, I have a great student for you, it was pretty much guaranteed an interview. And, and, and I think that is the power of professors. And what I realized even from interviewing dozens of professors through this podcast itself, and you can go back and listen to some of those earlier episodes, is that most people don't go to their office hours. That even though there might be hundreds or even thousands of students in their classes, they're not attending office hours, right? And the more students they had in their classes, the less amount of students visited their office hours and built relationships with them. And it's, I understand the, the logic, right? Because if I think I'm one of 1,000, I assume the professor has no time for me. But so does 999 other people assume 
the same thing and it's false. Most professors will be more than happy to connect with you, build a relationship with you, and even refer you to past alumni or relationships they have in the industry. So don't take that for granted. Don't take for granted SGA. Student Government Association has tons of resources, have vast majority of have full budgets to help you. You want to go to a conference, most of them help you pay for that, if not pay for it all. Don't also lose sight of joining student organizations. I know how busy you are. I get it. I get it. Especially if you're an international student and you need to work on campus, you have a really hard uh, major and you're studying a lot. Join at least one student organization. Network, build relationships. You know, if you can't join a fraternity, they don't have to be the social ones. There's student, there's fraternities that are more professional. There's uh, there's fraternities that are also based on ethnicity. There are some fraternities that are based on community service. There's just tons of great organizations. And I think that's it. Like there's tons of resources on campus that 99% of students overlook that you are paying for. So you might as well take advantage of it. Now that's it for my rant today. If you enjoyed this episode, give it a like. Please share it with a job seeker that might need this help. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll catch you guys on the next episode.